Good morning. I am so glad that you're here this morning. Um, it is week number four of this series. Um, have you ever used the phrase, those were the days? Those were the days. Um, y'all probably have not yet, but one day, one day uh, in about 20 years, you've already said it, Nathan, one day you will look back and you'll say, wow, those were the days. For me, I look back at the days I, that our family would go maybe to the lake for the summer, not for all summer, for a weekend in the summer, and it would be so much fun uh, hanging out at the lake. Um, I got a lot of stories to tell you about that, but I don't have time to tell you. Um, and uh, then I also think about when I was your age, I think about those moments, and Michael, I, I think about those moments where I didn't have so much responsibility um, and so, man, I got to kind of choose what I wanted to do after school. Um, I got to kind of do what I wanted. Those were great days. In fact, I could say those were the days. <laughs> those were the days. But let's face it. If all of those are the days, then what I'm also saying is that that must mean that these are not the days. <laughs> Those were the days. These are not the days. And so it's kind of like I'm saying I would rather be back there. I would rather be back in those days, not these days. So think with me for a moment. Do you remember the first time that you came to the church in Malvern? Um, for some of you, it is your first time, maybe today. Um, think back with me that first experience had in this room. And as I think about that experience for myself, I think about, wow, uh, for me, it was refreshing. Uh, it was kind of like a breath of fresh air. It was not what I was used to growing up in, in church and what the expectations that were there for me personally. So I had this feeling of uh, that, it, that it was fresh and it was exciting for me. And almost gave me that breath of fresh air where I was just like, ah, this is good. I like this. And Jacob just reminded me a moment ago, we're a couple years in. And so now a couple years later from that first moment for me, and I don't know about maybe for you as well, a couple years in, now maybe we might be thinking of it and it might be a little, meh, it's okay. I mean, I'm here. Um, you might be thinking it's it's part of my routine now. It's kind of what I do. But we could also, over the course of time, begin thinking, ah, oh, it's a little bit blah, um, maybe a little boring, um, uh, very possibly, at least the weeks I'm here, unstimulating. <laughs> I don't have the energy that Cole has. I don't know if you have any of those same feelings or not. But pretty soon, what becomes our routine can easily become something where where there's a little bit of apathy. And when there's a little bit of apathy, it can lead to a little bit of absence. And I'm not really talking about absent physically as much as sometimes we can be a little absent emotionally um, as we're just here and kind of going through those steps. And before we know it, we're kind of right back where we were before that first time that we came when we, for some of us, had that breath of fresh air where we went, ah, this, this, I think I found my tribe. I think I found my people. And we end up in that state we didn't really want to be in now. And sometimes we call that, you know, I, I feel like spiritually I'm hitting 
wall, hitting the wall spiritually, where we've lost some motivation, maybe lost some energy, maybe a, a little bit of losing the desire to move forward. And you might hear phrases like this, like hitting the wall, or we might say things like, I feel like I'm going through the motions. You might feel sometimes like something like maybe I'm getting a little burned out. My heart's just not in it anymore. It just doesn't feel right. Maybe I'm in a slump spiritually. All of these things may be phrases that have come through our mind. I don't know if any of that sounds familiar to you or not, but we're going to come back to that in a moment. But for now, let's move on in this series as we're wrapping this up today. We've been in this moment in the life of Jesus where he, it's right just hours before he was getting ready to be arrested tortured, and executed. And so if that were me, I know I would have all kinds of other things on my mind, but Jesus had something very specific on his mind. So just hours before he's going to enter into that horrible time, um, he has his closest followers with him, and they're on the way to the garden where he will be arrested in just a short amount of time. He pauses in that garden on his way, and and he's in a vineyard. Um, How did I not know that Papa's Vineyard was a connection here for you. I did not know that. But he pauses in a vineyard. And just imagine with me in that moment, this is our last time to visit that little scene uh, for this series. And we've told you that as Jesus is talking about the what's going on with the vineyard with fruit, he's talking about God's desire for your life and God's desire for my life is that your lives would produce not just some fruit, but much fruit, a whole lot of fruit. That's what he desires. And he also described, Jesus is describing to his followers how sometimes God the Father, who he says is the, is the vine dresser, the, the gardener, sometimes that he will take a branch and sometimes he'll have to uh, discipline that branch because it's kind of hanging out down in the mud and he's got to lift it up and he's got to clean it off and he'll kind of tie it back up to the trellis. And then Jesus described how sometimes, and and oh, and Jesus called that discipline. And then sometimes how uh, the, the vine dresser, the gardener, sometimes will have to take a healthy branch and he'll have to begin snipping and cutting and taking leaves off of that because there's too many leaves, which is, is making it where it's not going to produce enough fruit. And so he takes and he snips some of those leaves off of that branch. And in our lives, it's kind of like uh, it would be God the Father kind of doing some pruning in our own lives, where he would gently remove some extra stuff in our lives. And he would also kind of help us reorganize our priorities so they look more like the priorities of God the Father. And so now let's re-enter that scene where we have Jesus with his closest followers in the vineyard, and they're standing there by uh, by a vine and by the branches, and there's some fruit happening. And just imagine with me, Jesus uh, uh, taking one of those branches tied to the trellis, and he follows the branch all the way to the point where that branch meets the vine, and it connects to the vine. And Jesus has already told his followers that the branch, he said, represents everyone who's a follower of Jesus. And the vine, Jesus says, represents him. 
And so he follows that branch to where it connects to the vine. And right there is where he's drawing his attention to, and he's pulling all the attention of these closest followers of his to that point where the branch connects to the vine. And here's what Jesus says next. John 15, chapter 4. John chapter 15, verse 4. He said, well, I want to read it to you. Uh, right where it connects, this is what he says. Jesus says, now. He's already told them, the branch is you, the vine is him. He says, now remain in me and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine. And you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Now, some translations for that word remain use the word abide. We like that as well. Remain in me, abide in me. Jesus is basically telling his followers, he's saying, listen, hey, fellas, he's saying, listen to this. I, I, I want to give you a secret for enduring through all of the hardships that you're going to face in life, how you're going to endure through those and how you're going to exist in this imperfect world. And here's what he says. Jacob's going to have it on the screen for us. He says, live with your life connected to me. That's what Jesus is saying. Live with your life connected to me 24 hours a day, seven days a week, because that is where everything is going to happen. That's where it's all going to happen. Live with your lives, he says, connected to me. I'm the vine, and that is the point where my life is going to flow into you the branch. And then he goes on in verse 5, and he says this, Yes, I am the vine. You are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce fruit. And he, not just some, he says much fruit. Now, as far as we can tell, I am not a botanical scientist, um, and I don't even eat a lot of botanical things. But from what I'm told, that point where the branch connects to the vine, that is the point where all the life that is in the vine, coming up from the roots through the vine, goes into the branch. All the nutrients that are drawn go up and into the branch. And the only thing limiting what can get into and through that branch is that connecting point where the branch actually connects to the vine. And the better the circumference of that connection, the more life that goes into the branch from the, from the vine. So, how much life is flowing into that branch from the vine is determined uh, by that connection, and that connection then in turn is also going to determine how much fruit is produced in that branch, on that branch. Now, with that in mind, here's where Jesus goes next. He's saying, those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. And then he says, for apart from me, you can do nothing. Now, that's a really weighty statement that Jesus is making. Jesus is telling his closest followers, 
that, hey, listen, guys, if you are not connected to me, you can't produce anything in your life, not the things I want in your life. In fact, the things that I want, my fruit in your life, can not even be produced by you. It only comes from that connection. You can't produce it. But Jesus is telling his followers, you can't produce it, but you can certainly limit what is produced. You can't produce it, but you can limit what is produced. It's as if Jesus is saying, listen, fellas, the the branch with the best connection, with the, the most open and free connection, the branch with the best connection to the vine is going to be the one that has the huge crop, the, the greatest potential. That's going to be the best crop, the best connection. And that is going to be the branch that produces my fruit. The one that is most closely connected to me, that's going to be the one that produces my fruit. It's almost as if Jesus is saying, hey, listen, fellas, uh, listen, uh, 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 James, regardless of how talented you might be, James, and Matthew, regardless of how wealthy you might be, Matthew, and John, regardless of how significant you might be, or Peter, regardless of how popular you might be, when it comes to producing my fruit, what I want out of your lives, he's saying, you can't do anything of lasting value in and of yourselves. Now, this entire teaching of Jesus, if, and if I might say, this entire series that we've been teaching about this teaching of Jesus, it leads to this point. This is the climactic point. Jesus has been telling them, fellas, listen, listen, God loves you so much that he's going to lift you up out of the mud. He's going to clean your lives up, and he's going to get you connected, tied to the trellis where you can get some light. And he's saying, listen, I'm going to come through. The Father's going to come through and do some pruning and some cutting to get rid of some excess stuff so you can get more light, and more fruit. He's going to cut a little here, cut a little there. And all of this is helpful. You've got to have that to have more fruit. But then it's almost as if he's saying, but make no mistake about it. Apart from me, without me, if you're not abiding, connected, really, really close to me, leaning in on me, you can't produce any of my fruit. I wonder if we've ever heard that kind of mention that way. Because I think back about what I was taught as I was growing up, and most of us have been taught something along the lines of this. Jacob's going to help me out here on the screen. Here's what most of us have been taught. I do more, and I'll get more. I do more for him, I do more for Jesus, and that will create more fruit for him. And really, I mean, that does make a lot of sense because, I mean, it's kind of the way the world works, right? I mean, I'm not saying we're totally wrong for looking at it this way. That is kind of how the world works and how it operates because I know that if I work hard, 
um, I can work extra hard and I could get a pay raise, right? And then if I keep killing it at that job, I'm, I'm going to get more than a pay raise. I'm going to actually get a promotion. And with a promotion actually comes another pay raise, which gives me more security, right? And I'm, in, I'm, I'm really in control of a lot of that based upon how hard I'm choosing to work. And for most people, those things would equal for us a better life. But Jesus has constantly been saying, hey, my kingdom is different than that. So let me give you a peek into the first half, at least the first half of my life as it relates to spiritual things. Because I kind of saw it the way that I explained a moment ago. So for me, here's kind of what it looked like. I, I knew that I needed to go to church, and I needed to go to church more and more. And by going to church more and more, I was then becoming a better Christian. And then I also knew not only that, but I also need to read my Bible more and more and more. And the more I read my Bible, the better Christian I was becoming. And I also knew um, I was taught growing up that I needed to give more and more. I needed to give more of my time, more and more. And I needed to give more of uh, kind of the resources in my life, you know, my talents. I didn't have many of those. What I did have, I just knew I needed to give more and more. And I also needed to give financially more and more. And when I did those things, I was becoming a better Christian. Now, all of those things, if I would do them, and as I did do them, I was told I was being a better Christian. But that seems to completely miss the point that Jesus is making. Because it seems to me that God doesn't want us to do more for him he wants us to be more with him. He doesn't want us to do more for him. He wants us to be more with him. That seems to be what Jesus is saying. And the more we are with him, the more we become like him. And get this, the more we become like him, the more we want to do the things that seem to make God nod in agreement with our lives. I just, I feel like I, I want to say that again. The more we are with him, the more we become like him. And the more we become like him, the more we want to do the things that seem to make God nod in agreement with our lives. I think the reality is that, that I, deep inside, I think I know this, and I think you know this too, because every human relationship that we have is more like this. It really is. I mean, just think with me for a moment. Um, Let's just take a parent who has some adult children, okay? A parent with adult children. We generally 
a parent with an adult child, we're not wanting our children to come over to the house so they can take the trash out. I mean, I bet y'all have to take some trash out in your house, right? Every once in a while, you have to, right? It's part of, part of just being part of the family, right? But once your children are grown, you know, they, they don't have those chores anymore. And you're probably thinking, I can't wait. And I'm going to do some chores. But when you're grown, you don't. And, and when you come over to the house, you probably don't have to take the trash out. And you, when you come over to the house as an adult child of your parent, you're probably not going to go to a fence row and fix a, fix a fence. I don't, wouldn't even know how to do that. You're probably not going to have to uh, go clean up the living room or go clean up your old bedroom. You're not going to have to do any of that. In fact, your parents probably don't even expect you to do that. You're not going to have to go. They're probably not waiting on you to come over to the house so that they can start painting the kitchen. I I bet it's not going to happen. I mean, it could. (laughs) They might need the kitchen painted, but probably not going to happen. Do you know what they want? When you, as an adult child, go visit your parents, they want you. They want to sit down and visit with you. They do. Yeah, they, yes, they do, Nathan. They want to hang out with you and talk with you and relate with you. And you know what's happening? You are connecting and you are abiding. They want that relationship with you. And you know what happens? As you are relating to a parent or to someone you really respect in life that's older than you, it may be a grandparent, it may be an aunt or an uncle, or or it could just be a a neighborhood friend, but you're relating to that person, someone you respect, and you're, you're connecting with them. Do you know what happens to you in that moment? Over the course of some time, not even a lot of time, you begin to want. I know this, you're going to think I'm crazy. You begin to want to do some of those things, even when it's not an obligation. You begin to think to yourself, man, the kitchen trash can is really full. I'm going to take it out for him. And guess what? I'm going to put another bag back in. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> I see those hands. Uh, you, you, you begin to think, I, this is really, you're really not going to believe. I want to go mow my mom's yard. I actually want to. I know it's crazy. But that's what happens as you relate and connect with and abide with. You begin to want to do those very things that that parent that used to require of you, now you're wanting to do it. And guess what happens? That parent on the inside, they are nodding in agreement. They're saying, oh my goodness, I have raised an amazing child. Wow. It really happens. 
and it happens with God as well. You see, when we are obligated, I got to go sit down with Jesus. It's Sunday. Harley, Cole, Bryce, somebody going to be flapping their jaws and they going to expect somebody out there. God, if it's not me, who? Got to go. Got to go play the drums. <laughs> got to play the, but got to play the guitar. Got to, got to, I got to go make some popcorn. I got to go, I got to go take care of some baby. I got, I, But when we've been connecting with and abiding with, relating, just spending time with our Father on our own time, it's amazing how we begin to want to do those things. And no longer is it an obligation. And I really think that that's what Jesus is describing as we abide in. We can't produce that fruit on our own. Oh, we can go try. And we can fake it. But before long, everybody really around us begins to know, oh, that's not real. <laughs> oh, oh, that's not real fruit. Oh. You don't have to force something when suddenly it becomes this innate inside ire. That's what happens when we're connected to. We begin to want to do it. We don't have to fake it because something inside of us says, that's what I want to do. That's what I want to do for my father. That's what I want to do for my father. So let's go back to Jesus for a moment. Jesus knows, as he's talking to his, his uh, closest followers here, he knows that in the coming years, these men are going to be called upon to produce unheard of amounts of miraculous fruit out of their lives. And even beyond the night that they are experiencing and the nights that are going to come, Jesus knows that these men are going to face, and, and the ladies that were following him as well, they're going to face darkness and devastation that we cannot imagine. And he knows that they're going to be called upon to produce an enormous amount of fruit out of their lives, enough that is going to turn the world upside down. And yet... This is what we so often miss. And I think this might be, this is doubling down on this. Jesus knows they can't achieve that amount of fruit out of their lives. Enough to make an eternal impact on this world without the one thing that they are most likely to forget because they're going to get busy. And there are going to be a lot of things that have to be done and that they have to do. And they are likely to forget this one thing. You see, I think about the disciples. I often kind of think of them a little bit like morons. Shame on me. Because they have just spent three years with the best teacher ever created, Jesus. Three years with God himself. 
They had the best training, the best preparation. They were ready to do what Jesus was going to send them out to do. They were ready for it. They had the motivation they needed. They didn't know it yet, but in just a few hours, they were going to see their leader tortured and murdered. But then three days later, they were going to have breakfast with him on the beach because he was going to be alive. Oh, yeah, they were going to be motivated. They were going to have all the motivation they needed. But there was one thing that he knew they would not be able to get enough of. They needed, Jacob's going to have this on the screen, they needed more of him. And Jesus knew it. Jesus knew it. And I think that's why, possibly, Jesus continued to command them to abide, to remain in him. And here's what he said. Verse 6, anyone who does not remain, in other words, anyone who is not connected in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered up into a pile to be burned. Now, we got a couple of options here. If Jesus is talking about believers and not believers, then we know in that instance that Jesus is talking about uh, uh, being separated eternally from the vine, from Jesus. An eternal separation. If it's a believer is connected and a not believer not connected, we know that's what he's talking about. If that is what he's talking about, he's talking about an eternal separation. But he might be talking to believers. And if Jesus is talking to believers, then we know, based upon what we know in the new covenant, that a believer will never be cut off and say, oh, you've been too bad now, so you lose the salvation that Jesus has given you. We know that not to be true. That is not true. That does not happen. So if he's talking to believers, that's not what he's meaning. Let's explore that for just a moment. If he's talking to believers, it's almost as if he's saying, listen, if you are not vitally connected with the connection to me of like abiding and resting in and leaning in to that relationship with Jesus, failing to lean into that and really invest your life into that connection, then your life is going to slowly begin to wither and it will be as if Your life came to no use for God's plan and God's purpose. It's withered and useless. It would be as if it were just good for, we can't use it to grow fruit. It just would be good for the burn pile. If we're not vitally connected. But Jesus says in verse 7, but if you remain in me and my words remain in you, look what he says next. You may ask for anything you want, and it'll be granted. Now, there are some churches that teach that that's like the magic genie thing right there. 
Oh, you got him right there. Oh, you got Jesus now. You got him trapped with his own. But that makes no sense at all. Because we can't trap God into doing what we want him to do. That makes no sense. God is not our genie. He is not our year-long Santa Claus just to fulfill our wish list. If we understand what Jesus is saying about abiding and his life moving from him into your life, then I think we have an understanding of what Jesus might be talking about here. Because we find throughout the new covenant this principle that we can get so close to Jesus that's abiding, connecting. We can connect with him and be so close to Jesus, his life flowing from him and his words flowing into our lives. That as we begin, as we said a moment ago, we begin to be with Jesus in a way that it changes the way we think, and it changes the way we see the world, and it changes the way we see life, and we see people around us, and suddenly we begin to see this life more and more from his perspective and less and less from Harley's perspective or your perspective. And as we are with him, it just begins to happen. That begins to happen in our lives. And more and more, and to want the things he wants and do the things he wants us to do and be involved in the things and see the world the way he wants. And then suddenly what we want one day is a whole lot more like what Jesus wants because we have been abiding in him. But apart from him, we can't do that. It doesn't work that way. Apart from him, that branch is useless. It doesn't matter how amazing the branch might look, eventually it's going to wither if it's drawing up those things from the vine and letting them come into the branch and eventually out of the branch. But if we're connected to the vine, and that seems to be what Jesus is saying over and over and over again, eventually, eventually, we will be daily drawing from him. It'll go through our lives and come out our lives as fruit. But with Without that, eventually we kind of spiritually shrivel up. We spiritually dry up. And sometimes it sounds a whole lot like us saying, spiritually, I've hit a wall. Spiritually, I feel like I'm going through the motions. Spiritually, I'm getting a little burned out. Spiritually, my heart is just not in it. It just doesn't feel right. I'm in a spiritual slump. So 
the next move is up to you. Now, for the next few moments, I, I want to end this series and end today's teaching by pivoting just a little bit because I want to unpack how do we abide? How do we abide? You see, Jesus takes care of the why. We have to draw from him and let it come into our lives and our lives in order for us to have any of his fruit. But for the next few minutes, I want to help you with the how, how to do it. Now, we're not talking about how much you know about doctrine. We're not talking about how much you know about theology or what you believe about eschatology. We're not talking about any of that. Abiding doesn't have anything to do with any of that. Because abiding is about a person not a theology, not a religion. It's about a relationship. Abiding is about more of him in my life and in your life to where we have him in our thoughts, in our activities, in our desires, and we have less of me and less of you. More of him, less of me. And here's what Jesus says in verse 9. He says, I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. So it seems to be something about love with ship here. And he says, remain in my love. Remain, abide in me. And in doing so, remain in my love. Now, there's a visible element to this. Jesus is painting this picture here with the disciples, this visible element of the vine, the branches, and we see that connection where the branch connects to the vine. But there's something happening we don't see. We don't see what is flowing through the vine up into and through the branch and then out of the branch. We don't see that. That's the invisible part. Now, for us following Jesus, there are some visible things and there are some invisible things. We have that as well. Some of the visible things we have are we know we can read God's word. That's visible. And we know we can teach you how to pray. And we know we can talk about memorizing scripture. And we can talk about all of those things are visible. But what we don't see is what's happening through those things, the invisible. And those are all great things, reading the Bible, praying, memorizing Scripture. They're all great things. But you know, the truth is, we can do all of those things. We can. We can do all of those things without really abiding, which takes me back to growing up when mama said, take out the trash. Oh, I could do it, but I wasn't happy about it. I didn't have a video game to put down. Our video game was the TV. I wasn't carrying that around back then. And we had one called Pong. Ask me about it. It's the most amazing technology you've never seen. I wasn't happy about those things they asked me to do, but oh, I could do them. You can do those things without abiding. We can also do these things. We can read his word. We can attend on Sundays. We can come to a small group. 
we can uh, memorize scripture, we can uh, go through a, a, a prayer, and, and we can do all that without abiding. But that's not what Jesus wants. He wants us to abide, and somehow it involves love, abide in his love. You see, we can read a book about a person and never, ever, ever know that person. So we're not trying to give you a list of things to do where you can just simply check off a box and say, yep, I did it. I abode. Boop, boop, boop. Check, check, check. I did my Biden. Got her done. I'm done. Jacob's going to help us. We're going to put this on the screen. Abiding is breaking through from dutiful religious activities and into living in that relationship with God. And so as we close today, I want to help you understand here are some ideas, some ways, some things you could do to help you abide. And again, it's not a box to check. It's not a task to accomplish. But here's the first thing. I want to encourage you to deepen the quality of your devoted time with God. So I'm not really talking about your devotional time. I'm really talking about a time that you have set aside and devoted to God and God alone and deepen the quality of that relational time you're going to spend with God. Now, I know this is something we've talked about before. So you may be yawning right now and say, yeah, 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 I've been there, done that. I've heard this song before. But let's get real honest for just a moment. Even though you have heard that before, here's my question just for the inside. Don't answer out loud. How are you actually doing with that? Yes, you've heard it before, but how are you doing that time that you have set aside for God himself and you to relate? Because we're not talking about an activity that's a to-do list. This is so much more intimate and so much more uh, deep than that. So much more. How are you doing in setting aside that time? Maybe as we talk today, you might begin maybe for your own life for the very first time. It may be you saying, you know what? I'm, I'm going to do this for the first time in my life. I'm going to really give this a shot. And so as part of that, we would encourage you to find a private place in your home, outside on a porch, somewhere, a private place where you won't be interrupted and you can focus on just this purpose of connecting to, relating to God. Now, here's the next natural question for most of us. We're like, okay, Harley, I understand what you're saying, but how much time do I need to do? How, how much time is that going to take? My answer to that is pretty simple. I have no idea. I have no idea. But here's a thought. Um, how important is the person you're going to be meeting with? How important is this person? Because the reason why I ask that is because most often in our life, the more important the person is, the more we let that person choose the parameters of the meeting. I mean, they get to kind of choose. If, they, if 
person is really important to us, we don't go in with a list of demands. We go in saying, how much time do you need from me? I'm all yours. What, what, do you, what, how, I mean, how, what is it? So that's kind of what we do with people. In, and so I think it might apply here between us and God. God, how much time do you want this morning? For some of us, you've been doing this already. But maybe maybe there's going to be a slight adjustment in a mind, a mind, a, a way of thinking that just simply says, you know what, I'm going to change my thinking because it has become for me a little bit of a task, an obligation, and I want to change that to make it relational again between me and God. And here's what I believe we're trying to do as we're trying to change the quality of this time. We're also, we're, we're wanting to do this. We're wanting to think about can this relationship with God, and if I'm in his words, in the Bible, how can this passage impact me in my day, in my current situation today? Colossians 3.16 says, let the message about Christ and richness fill your lives. I would even encourage you, just an encouragement, I would encourage you to even maybe begin to take some notes about what's going on in this relationship. You can call it a journal. You can call it just writing down some notes. You can call it journaling to God or about God or write. I, I would just encourage you because we have a tendency to write down things that are really important to us. But if you're like me, it also helps focus. I have trouble with that sometimes, but man, when I'm taking notes on it, more at time in that moment. So we want to help you deepen the quality of that time that you're devoting to God. But here's the second part of that. We also want to broaden your devoted time and its purpose. In other words, why are you doing this? If it's because I'm asking you to do it, then we've missed. Somehow I missed in this teaching. If you're doing it just to be a better Christian, I think, again, I think I've kind of missed in this teaching then. I, I kind of went wrong. I led you astray. Because at the core, we're asking you to invest in your relationship with God and to take that relationship with God and bring it with you along for the ride all day long through your life. So, fellas, when you're at school, you got Jesus along with you for the ride. And when you're at going to work, and if you're working from home, you've got Jesus along with you all day long because it's a relationship. And we are encouraging you to bring that relationship with you into every relationship you have all day long and bring that relationship you have with God into every interaction you have with other people, into every word that comes out of your mouth, every facial expression you have toward a person, in front of a person, and behind that person. We want you to bring that with you into every expression you have, every action you have, every, action, every interaction you have. 
And remember, abiding is this ongoing relationship, even when we don't really feel like abiding. That's when we need to abide all the more. Now, let me be maybe the bearer of bad news here. Can't abide without obeying. We're not abiding if we're not obeying. The moment we stop obeying, we begin to pull away. We begin to lean away from the vine, and that's not abiding. Abiding seems to help us sense the leading of God, the direction of God. It kind of helps to empower us to tap into everything that God has for us. It's his life flowing into us and eventually out of us as fruit. Abiding. It produces a future that God wants for your life. It produces the fruit that God wants out of your life. It produces followers of his that are living, loving, and serving like Jesus lived, loved, and served. And don't forget, Jesus said in verse 8, when you produce my you are my true disciples. And he said, this brings great glory to my Father. So here's where we bring it all down today. We want to help you understand the way that you can abide with him. We're going to ask everybody to participate in this with us. By no means are we going to make a judgment if you decide not to. We are inviting you. Um, it would not have been right for us to end this series and then not provide you with a resource to help you in your journey of abiding with Jesus. We're going to give you a way that you can abide. And it's something we have worked really hard and we have created it, calling it four days, days with Jesus. That's what we're calling this. Beginning today and then through the end of October. So we're going to talk about this every single week from today through the end of October. There are 42 days. And we're going to encourage you to take this book we've written. We're going to encourage to take it and use it as a tool to help you abide, not as a task or an obligation that you have to do to check off a box to please me or to please God, but as a tool to help you abide daily with Jesus. Now, here's the thing. Um, some of you, because of your personality type, you're going to take that and you're going to say, absolutely. And you're going to start today. And, and 42 days later, you're going to be done because you will have hit every single of the 42 days. But we're not all that way. And I want you to know that's okay. Because some of you are going to take the book and you're going to start and you're going to do maybe just a few days a week. And I want you to know that's awesome. And so if you do the first three days and, and this week and next week, you do two days, 
You just go from day three, you do, then you do day four and day five. And the way we've laid this out, it's not laid out Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. It's just simply laid out day one, day two, day three. So day one to day two, even if you just get day one in week one, that means week two, you start with day two. So you get to go at your own pace. Some of you might be overachievers. I hope you won't be. Some of you might do all week in one day. I hope you won't. <laughs> it's going to be hard to abide like that. I hope you'll spread it out. And no more than maybe a, a day a day, but if it takes you the rest of the year to get all 42 days in, I say to that, bravo. <laughs> that is awesome. How do you get this book? So where I'm gonna, That's what I'm going to tell you next. It is free to you because... Is in digital format. It costs us nothing to produce other than the time to write it. And you can get to that book two ways. It is on the online connection card. So if you followed the QR code that Scott and Laura was talking about, if you followed that, just below the connection card on the online worship guide, you're going to see it says 42 days with Jesus. And all you have to do is put in your name, in your uh, a good email address, and then immediately when you hit submit, an email is being sent. Email with a link to the book. We have a link for uh, uh, that's that for most people would be best for mobile devices. If you're on a phone or a tablet, we have a link that would be uh, most people would prefer if they were on a desktop or a laptop. But you get to choose. You can click either link, and you can click it as many times as you. If you get lost at the very top of every page, it says return to cover, and that'll shoot you all the way back to the end of the book because it's on page two and three where all the days are listed. They're all hot links. You can click on day one. It'll take you to day one. You can click on day two, day two, and day 42 will take you to day 42. So you can always go to the cover and go back to the table of contents. This has been created. It has been written for you. All you have to do is go get it. And oh, I hope you will do this. And I promise if you begin doing this, I'm going to shoot you an email every once in a while that just simply says, I love you. Hang in there. Keep abiding. Don't give up. If you did not follow the QR code, here's the second way to get to that. Go to our website. Our website, the church in Mountain. Com. Scroll all the way to the bottom of the page, and you'll find near the bottom a green button. It'll be rather large, a green button that says online worship guide. Click that, and it'll take you to the online worship guide where you can download the book. I'm excited about this journey with you. I wrote it, but I'm going to do it too. I'm going to I'm going to get my 42 days. I've spent more than 42 days on the book, but I'm going to jump back through now, go back to the beginning, and I'm going to do it with you as well. Because we could call it 42 days together with Jesus. Guys, I hope you'll do it with me. I really do. We'll help you find that link. All right. So you're going to hear a whole lot about that over the next eight weeks, because this entire next series also involves all of this. If you 
you've ever wondered about your connection to Jesus. If you have ever wondered, am I going to make it to heaven one day when I die? I mean, I know what I've been told, and I've been told this, and I've been told this, but Harley, I just want to know. I want to know, am I really going to make it to heaven when I die? How can I know? We're going to talk about that through the five weeks of October. I can't think of a series that we have done this year that has more of a potential to impact your lives than the next five weeks in October. And I can't think of a better way to end this series and to move all the way through the next series than abiding, connecting with Jesus. I hope you'll do that with us. Because Jesus said, he said, I'm the vine and you're the branch. And he said, abide in me. Connect with me. Do. Your life will produce much, much, much fruit. Let's pray. God, I hope and I pray that we can draw close to you. God, I pray that we can connect with you and abide in you, that we can get to the point in our lives where nothing, absolutely nothing matters more to us than our friendship with you, our presence in your life, your presence in our life, your favor and friendship upon our lives. And God, yes, I confess that I have so often pursued such trivial, such lesser priorities in my own life. I forgot to remain in you. I was so busy doing things for you. I forgot remain in you. So often I've offended you. I've disrespected you. God, I pray that you would forgive me. And I promise I'm going to learn to seek you more with all of my heart. And I pray that over these 42 days that many of us will join and do the very same. Will you reveal yourself to us through your words in new ways? As we move about our lives every day, God, we want your fruit coming out of our lives into the lives of others. May your abiding presence result in my life being what you want today, now, tomorrow, and for eternity. In the name of Jesus, we ask these things. Amen.